Howdy. Welcome to another episode of Canon Calls. This week, Christine Cohen is in to chat about her debut novel, The Winter King, and its release, which is today, November 19th. Go get the book, maybe get two of them. They make fantastic Christmas presents. And without further ado, meet Christine Cohen. Christine. Hi. Thanks for coming in. We put this together. Yesterday. Yesterday. You're going out of town. I am. Where are you going? Walla Walla. Okay. Little wine tasting before that. That sounds awesome. I've never been to Walla Walla. Really? No. Oh, it's great. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to put it on the list of places. It is. It is predominantly you go there for wine tasting. Okay. That's their big. And then are there like, there's a waterfall maybe? No. I don't think so. There's There's something else, right? Um, I'm not sure about landmarks. There's like the Marcus Whitman okay. mission. Okay. Which I have not yet gone to see, but. Okay. I just was thinking, what is it on Instagram that I see with Walla Walla above it? But maybe there's nothing. Yeah. Um, but today, in reality, it's Tuesday. This is coming out Tuesday and your book is released. Great. Yes. It's out. Yeah. So hardbacks wow. have arrived, hopefully, hopefully. and they're being sent out. I I, I, I feel like you've exciting. gone through a. I feel bad. I think you've gone through like a crash course of dates and scheduling. This is and, what and, publishing is like. Yeah, it's just a lot of. There's a lot of moving parts, so making sure they all fit together, get it out. No, it's good. And you wrote the Winter King. Yeah. What's your elevator pitch for the Winter King? <sighs> okay, I have done this many times. I've tried a lot of different approaches based on the responses I get from people, like <laughs> the blank stares. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Um, it's about a 16-year-old girl named Cora who is an outcast in a village, a Nordic village that's uh, trapped in winter by a tyrannical god king. And uh, she, her family falls on hard times, and she's trying to do anything to keep them alive. But in the course of doing that, she starts to uncover some secrets about the town that the elders are keeping from everyone. Okay. That would be, I guess, my pitch. Love it. So go find it on Cannonball Books Facebook right. page. And you have a Facebook page, Kristen yes. Cohen. Author. author. Underscore author. Underscore author. Um, okay. So this this wasn't your first start in publishing. Like no. you've been around the publishing yeah. world. Can you talk <laughs> about that? that? Yeah, yeah. Can you talk yeah, about sure. that? Yeah. So it is my it is my debut novel, but I have I've kind of had a very long, circuitous path to publishing. Um I well, taking it way back. Yeah. After uh, I got married and um, my husband and I, we had our first baby and she was three months old. We moved to a new city and my husband went off to work really long hours at an accounting firm. And I looked around my very small apartment where my child was taking four hour, four hours worth of naps every day. And I thought, what do I want to do with myself now? Should I take up knitting? I'm not very good at knitting. And then I remembered, I've always loved to write, but I remembered how much I loved writing. Okay. And so I, I thought, well, I'll try writing a novel. So I sat down and I wrote a novel. Wow. I mean, that's... <laughs> not in one day. Hilarious, though. I know. I know, especially... <laughs> okay. I thought, hey, I could do this. I, it's better, easier for me than crocheting or knitting. 
Or um, what a nightmare it would have been. You would could have started a podcast. <laughs> you know, back started. then. I feel like that right? would have been the move to That's start a podcast. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you wrote a novel. Yeah, so I wrote a novel, and uh, it was this, like, middle-grade portal fantasy. Some kids discover a, a portal to fairyland in Reykjavik, and yeah. that was that was the thing. So I wrote it, and I uh, I sent it to my mom. She's always been my first reader. And I got back this sort of the, um, what's the word for it? Like the typical mom response, which was like, yeah, this is great, <laughs> sweetie. Like, Did the octaves go up even? The oh, no. no, she uh, she was great about it, but she she acknowledged that it needed a lot of work. And so I thought, okay, great. Like, that's good. This sure. was not, let's scrap this one. So I threw that one away. Um, and then I had another baby, and then I decided to write another you novel. Just threw it away, <laughs> never yeah. to see again. No, I just I how many? Do you remember it. the word count? Um, it was probably like forty to fifty thousand. So it was wow. a pretty average. Yeah, <laughs> I mean grade. it is average middle grade, but and I did. I spent a lot of time on it. I mean, I did the whole like flashcards with the scenes, and and I wrote it, but I knew it was not it was not something I could publish, and um, and I knew I could do better based on the response I sure. got. So then I wrote another story which was a paranormal uh, contemporary YA about uh, like a shape-shifting demon type thing that's terrorizing this town and it ends up being somehow a descendant of Cain. And anyway, so I wrote, <laughs> I wrote this. Okay. So just... you, yeah, you wrote Stranger Things before, <laughs> before there's Stranger Netflix. Things. Yeah. yeah. And I sent that one to my mom and her response was, it's better like that. Okay. I think the octaves were lower, not quite yeah. so high. Yeah, right. This is better. This, and um, I think I sent it to my sister also, and she she was really great about like honest feedback. Like this is where I lost interest in your story. So I thought, okay, awesome. This is still not worth much. So I threw that one away. This is another then, forty to fifty thousand yeah. word. I think this one was longer. I think it was more oh. like sixty thousand. And um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. and then I had oh, and then I was uh, pregnant with my third, and I was um, I heard about NaNoWriMo. Yeah which is National Novel Writing Month, happens in November, it's happening right now, where people just crank out a novel in a month. I think, <clears throat> I think it's 40,000 words. It's, it's kind of like a Crazy. low novel, 40. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think it's 40,000. And, and I had this idea for a village trapped in winter and a girl who is uh, stuck there trying to escape and trying to bring down the god that that has brought this curse. And so I thought, well, I should do that for NaNoWriMo. So I, I was like terribly morning sick, but also really wanted to get this novel written. So I just beat it out and got it written. And it was uh, terrible in the first draft, but I sent it, I sent that one to my mom and that she goes, okay, this one has promise. Like, I think, I think you could work with this one. So then I felt. So you did another draft. <laughs> I did. I, well, yeah. So I, I, I started revising it, and then I started sending it out to some beta readers, some friends of mine, um, who also gave me really good feedback. And um, I brainstormed a lot with my sister about the plot and things that were and weren't working. And and that can I, can that I know what year this is? So what year? What did you do, Nanorama? Okay, I think it was two thousand fourteen. Okay, so it was a while ago. Yeah, because yeah, because my son was born in two thousand fifteen. So I did that, and um, I think that's right. Oh, well, 
if I'm wrong, I've somewhere around there, fourteens, fifteens. Yeah, yeah. Well, your listeners, and we will find out. <laughs> so you'll be hearing. You'll from be us. doing that trace yeah, back this, through this, my. We're small, but we're we're dirt. we're a passionate <laughs> few. Okay, uh, good. Yeah, yeah. So then I um. I I joined Twitter. So at that point, I thought, okay, this is a book that possibly could go somewhere, and um, I sort of heard through the grapevine how you get a book published is you have to get an agent first so and the the place where agents hang out their water cooler is twitter so i joined twitter thinking okay maybe i'll like make some connections or you'll enter the water cooler yeah i'll just just mosey on up to them and (laughs) see what's going on twitter is a weird place but because of twitter i learned about all the writing contests that are going on on twitter so there's like um Pitch Wars and Pit Mad and like there's all these hashtags you can follow for writing contests. So I started entering those with the Winter King. Um, and there was one in particular called uh, P2P16, um, which is pitch to publication, where you, you submit your manuscript and there's uh, a bunch of freelance editors who will pick their favorite manuscript and work with you on it for a while. And I ended up winning that. So but with wow. the Winter King. So I worked with a freelance editor. Her name was Stephanie. She was awesome for a little while. And then we, that was what I sent out to agents. Um, and I ended up getting an agent and, uh, who works at a, a pretty big New York agency. Okay. And so she shopped the Winter King around for a while. And we got, the feedback we got back was strange because it was like, okay. we like this story. It doesn't fit the market at the moment, which right. was... I mean that's understandable. Like I get that they're, they, they will buy what's selling, right? Um, but but really, what it came down to, and what we realized was that the young adult market is predominantly, it's skewed older, right? It's yeah. for seventeen, eighteen, nineteen year olds. Um, and my protagonist was younger. The story was tamer than a lot of the YA out there. Um, and it just so it just wasn't a good fit. Yeah. It didn't rhyme with like the John Green vibes. Yeah, either. yeah, exactly. Um, and and so we tried. I I tried revising it a little bit here and there to see if maybe we could um we could make it something that the editors there wanted. But eventually, I I'd been talking with Nate and Aaron um, through this whole process, and I knew that Canon Press was was publishing content that I felt like really actually was written for young adult readers, like the the real young adult, more fourteen. Yeah. year old 15 year old um and they thought winter king would be a great fit with them so then i took it back from new york and brought it to you guys and yeah that's where so what about the winter king it's such a long story I'm no sorry. it's totally fine it is i mean it is interesting in terms of well so first off what made the manuscript for winter king one that you thought was it just your mom's feedback that, that you thought this i want to do another draft Cause, I mean, just to, I don't know how, if people understand just what it takes to finish a book of right. like passionate people that think their writing is their destiny. It's so hard to finish a book. Like I've, I've, I, and so for you just to like have written them off <laughs> and be like, ah, and then another one. And then, uh, so what was it, what was it about those other manuscripts that you thought? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to do another manuscript. Of the, I don't want to do another draft of right. that one. I, yeah. That's a great question. I think that the um because so i have actually i've written a couple more novels after the winter king one of which again like for me and 
maybe this is not the way everyone works, but I have to write the whole thing to know whether or not it's something I want to work with. Okay. Like I, I, I think I would have a really hard time starting a manuscript and just not finishing, not finishing yeah. it because I would always wonder like, well, is that clay I could have molded into something better? Right. Um, and, and so I really do have to go through the whole process of writing okay. the whole thing before I can take a look at it and just decide, yeah, now is it worth spending the next Now year? all the next drafts, yeah. Right. Do I love it enough to read it a hundred times and, and work on it? Um, and I, I didn't really feel that way with the first two that I'd written. Okay. And I, with another one that I wrote after The Winter King, I feel the same way. I wrote it. I wanted to know if I enjoyed writing murder mysteries. Yeah. So I wrote a murder mystery and it was fine, but I, it's not the type of thing that I'm like, oh, I, I can't wait to get back and like tinker with it and make the plot work or make the characters come alive. So with The Winter King, though, it just um, it just stuck. Like, And I think part of it is because there was something deeper going on with The Winter King in terms of um, I, I had just read Till We Have Faces. Okay. It's I think it is. I feel like I'm the odd man out at the party because it is my favorite Lewis book. Till We Have Faces? Yes. Nice. And it's a I great always, one. It is. It's so good. And and I think um, it just ticks all the boxes for me. Yep. Like it's a myth. Um, it's set in a sort of a magical world, but not like wizards. And sure. it's it's like a low fantasy type of world. Um, and the characters are just so real. They yeah. just jump off the page at you. And every time I read it, I see more of myself in those characters. And like not in a good way. So like that uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to be like Orwell, but I am. Yeah. So so I'd read Till We Have Faces and I just loved the way he reimagined that the Cuban psyche myth. Hmm. The way he looked for the the Christian truth in it and found it and then reimagined it like with a Christian in a Christian setting. Yeah. Like in a in a uh, Christian world. And I thought, I want to do that also. Like, that that seems, like, right up my alley. So I started thinking through the myths that I loved, and I thought of the Hades and Persephone myth. And I, I had already had in my mind this setting of, like, a Nordic world. And so I figured with that myth, you, you have built in the seasons, right? You have the, the mom who, who curses the earth when her daughter is stolen. And I thought... That's that's what I want to play with is that idea of like a, a vengeful God who's who's cursing the earth because we have, again, that nugget of truth. Like there is a sense in which there is there was disobedience and a cursed land. Right. Yeah. But what would that look like in a in a Christian setting? And then also I wanted to play with the idea of a culture that hasn't quite let go of the old ways, but okay. is slowly becoming Christian. OK. And and so you have that weird mesh of old religion and new faith and how do we how do we make those work and what does it look like when it's um twisted into like a just a rule following um uh, overbearing religious society um anyway so so because i had all these bigger themes that i was excited about and that i loved and was interested in that was what i think made the story stick more for me because I knew that I could tinker with the characters and tinker with the plot, but I had this really strong backbone um, to the story that wasn't ever going to change. Okay, so you had uh, Till We Have Faces, Hades, and Persephone's. What other what other kind of um, inf- influences did you have? Okay, uh, uh, Megan Whalen Turner. 
the okay. Thief series. Okay. I read those, and so she does similar to Till We Have Faces. She has like that Hellenistic, eth, uh, society with like the gods and um, just amazing world building. So I love, I love her, her Thief. What is it? It's not a trilogy anymore. What's uh, the I don't know how many there are. There's oh, four of them. <laughs> well, quartet. The quartet. A quartet, if you will. I, I like that. <laughs> the Thief Quartet. The Thief Quartet. So, uh, that, yeah, so that would be another one. Um, I don't know what else. Okay. I'm, there probably is something. I'm going to go home. Sure. And, I, I, yeah. I'm going to call you up and <laughs> finish the conversation we'll find on out. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. the phone. Um, okay, so then now you, you ran those by your mom. Mm-hmm. Now, she's an author as well, right? Um, no, she writes, yes. She writes. She's, she's not published yet, but okay. she does. She and I both like we like to write together. Okay, awesome. We swap manuscripts and critique each other. Uh, did you? What's your relation to Moscow? Were you always here? Did you move here? Okay, so I grew up in Spokane. Okay, and I came to Moscow for New Saint Andrews. Okay, so I was I graduated in two thousand nine with my BA. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so you went to New Saint Andrews. Did you go to the Oaks? I did. Okay. I went to the Oaks uh, up up through tenth grade. Okay. And then I combined my junior and senior year. I did just one year so I could come out to NSA earlier. Wow. Um, You're I, just in a hurry. I was in a hurry. <laughs> just, I, I, my sister was already out here, okay. and uh, I wanted to have two years with her at college instead of one. And um, I took a, like a mishmash of homeschool classes and running start community college classes. So okay. it was just a hilarious whirlwind year. But yeah, I did, I did that. Okay, sweet. And then, okay, and you've been here ever since. No, actually, we moved away for two and a half years. Okay, so you tried I, to get away. Yeah, and well, just kept pulling you back. <laughs> we did not actually try to get away. We <laughs> okay. wanted to stay. So we we got married in two thousand seven. My husband Joel and I, and uh, I graduated in two thousand nine. And then um, in two thousand, he was looking for an accounting job, and he couldn't find one locally. So, but he got uh, a, a job offer from Moss Adams in Eugene, Oregon. So we lived in Eugene for two and a half years. Okay. And, but the whole time I was always like eyes back towards Moscow wanting to yeah. come back here because I love it here. Um, by the time we moved back, we had two kids. I knew I wanted to raise my kids here. It's just a, it's a great town. I love it. Now you graduated 2009, but you are back in school. Yes. Do you want to talk about that for a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So I, I'm getting my MFA in creative writing. At New St. Andrews, I'm the uh, the very first class yeah. to go through. Guinea so, pig stuff. Yeah, it's a two-year program. It's low residency. And it's. It, I had been looking into MFA programs, so I knew I could write novels. I was doing that for a while. But I felt like I'd kind of hit a point where um, I'd read, I love reading uh, writing craft books. Okay. Like I'd read all of them. <laughs> Probably not, because I'm sure there's like hundreds. Of Probably them. the good ones, though. Yeah, I'd read a lot of them, and I I self critiqued, and I worked uh, with beta readers, but I just I felt like I needed more tools in my tool belt in order to kind of take my writing to the next level. So I was I had been looking into MFA programs. I knew I wanted low residency because I still have three little kids, and and just the the programs that were out there, none of them really what I was looking for. For one thing, I didn't, um, 
if I didn't have to travel, I didn't want to. And, well, the experience I had uh, just from looking at and other MFA programs was that a lot of times um, you were being graded and critiqued maybe less on the quality of your work, but more on the content of it. Like, is it hitting the talking point? Is it, it um, do you have your fierce female protagonist? Are, you know, just a, a lot of stuff that I, I wanted to really make sure that I, I was in a program that was looking specifically at um, my writing and is it excelling and strong on its own and not just is, is she hitting the hot button issues and being really raw? Raw, real. right. Genuine, so, authentic. Yeah. So I was a little wary of the other MFA programs. So when NSA launched theirs, I signed up and it's been great. I've done it. I'm on year two now. Okay. So, and it only meets, it's three weeks out of each year. So, and during that week, it's eight to 5.30. And we do a lot of really uncomfortable things like live writing where we have to. Nate says, give me a scene of uh, a character who is tired and then we write a scene with a tired character and then we read it out loud and he critiques us right to our faces right which is um i guess i i like obviously critique since i kept setting it out to my mom but and i really enjoy that even though it's kind of terrifying um that's been some of the most valuable feedback because uh it makes you think in the moment about every decision you're making which now when I approach a paragraph or a chapter, I'm thinking about every decision that I'm making. Right. Um, because so, you just make those anyway. Right. You are making the decisions, but a lot of times I think we make them haphazardly. Passively. Yeah, and, passively. Yeah. We're like, okay, he, our character walks into a room. Let's make the walls blue. And then, and, but to actually sit there and think, okay, what, what color do I actually want the walls? And it should have some meaning or importance or do I even need to describe them right. can I cut that entirely and describe something else that pertains to the character and that describes the character themselves right so those live writing so I I w went to grad school at New St. Andrews and almost all the classes so I, it was before the MFA so all the classes I took are now in the MFA so the few times that I took Nate and did those kinds of things you always make the mistakes that you would make yes like it's a right. very it's a very personal <laughs> thing, and Nate has always been very good and very insightful. Where it most hurts, you know, where it's it like hurts. Like a heat-seeking missile for your oh, flaws. He's just so cheerful about finding those. <laughs> I know. You know? Um, right. So I would continually find that I'm failing in the same way, and that's such a Jake thing to yes. do. Anyway, it was really helpful, and I was always shocked at how it was just everywhere you go, there you are. So I could go home, and my flaws on the page were just flaws over there too just not a, you know anyway right yeah which makes true. it hard doing the read out loud but it makes you infinitely better right and i always found one week later imagining back to that live writing session and being like wow i feel like years ago that yeah. i would i would never make that i can't or you know or it's so funny when i'm making it i realize that I'm you know that you're it. doing it and so then you can go back and be like oh there it is there's yep. the thing i always there. do but and i also think that writers uh, a lot of times we just need to develop thicker skin because we are prone to take it personally. And that was another thing when I was looking at the MFA programs and hearing people talk about them and they're like, yeah, just, we would leave the class and just cry because it was, 
it was so painful to hear your work critiqued like that. And I thought, I don't want to be a part of that study. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Like, right. you, you should be thankful that people are pointing this totally. out. And um, the only way you're going to get better is through someone pointing out what you did wrong. And most of the time, we are completely blind to it ourselves until, yeah, until someone points it out. And and don't we all want to be better? Oh. And And also, I think that that's something where, even with a debut, Hopefully, by the time I've written 10 more books, there will be things that I'll see in my debut and think, I could have done that better. There's, but and Why um, didn't Brian catch it? <laughs> yeah, come on, Brian. <laughs> but I think, and I think that that's totally fine. And it's not that I won't be proud of, my, of The Winter King anymore. Right. Um, I will be proud that I've gotten further in my career and that I now, hopefully, my characters are more well-rounded or more fleshed out. Um, so we should just have that humility of realizing that none of us at 16 is going to write right. the next great American novel. Right. And we shouldn't. It, yeah, it really is a funny exercise because it's, it's, it seems like you would never be so openly going about your life and be like, and ask others for input. Right. You know, so like, I just spent this day doing this. Does anybody have any input on like how I, my attitude during you this whole thing? You want to talk about this? Right. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm always a little... I mean, our culture loves the young prodigy, right? So there's this big thing in publishing with, like, the new 22-year-old's New York Times bestseller, right? Which, I mean, yes, it's quite possible that there are 22-year-olds writing amazing novels out there. I was not at 22. I was not writing anything <laughs> yeah, worth publishing. Yeah. But, um, but just this idea that somehow there's, like, a, a time stamp on your, your career, your success, that you can only... Uh, you can only say you've made it as an author if you're like writing these amazing books in your 20s. Whereas I think a lot of people, as you gain more life experience and you gain just more skills, you're going to write better novels the older you get, which is what's so great about this process. It's not like, um, not like an NBA star where you've got like a certain period of time and then you're done. Um, yeah, the, it is uh, what I found to be the things that I love the most are always most of it is because of the kind of person who's writing it, hmm. you know, or it's just they are that kind of person and I want to imitate that. Or, you know, with Richard Wilbur's poetry, I think about that all the time. Like, I just love him. Yeah. And it just so comes out in his work. And as I, like, start describing his poetry to somebody or a particular, what I love about this poem, I'm, like, now describing his attributes or his characteristics. And anyway, so I think that's what makes it tough and great, mm -hmm. you know, so... It, obviously somebody who has done a whole life and lived it well and winsomely and, and the rest. Right. You know, it's but a good it, chance yeah. that it's going to come out in their prose too. Yeah. It is true stories. that it's like, it is a particular extension of you. Yeah. And so that's another thing where when you start getting reviews in, you have to work hard not to be like, how dare you insult me like this? <laughs> yeah. Always, every single time I would get uh, professor, the professor remarks or I forget what they're called, but basically at the end of every class, I would always know that whatever Nate's saying about what I wrote down absolutely applies, or it always would hurt. This is absolutely a life critique. <laughs> you know, I was like, uh, no, it's true. Yes. Yeah. That so, is a very. That's a really good point. I think I I with Nate usually the critique I get is you are. I'm trying to think of the words to use. I'm glad you're agreeing because otherwise it was just me. <laughs> that just Nate me. was just applying. No, no, no. It had something to do with um like systematic to a fault or something like I just <laughs> and and the more I thought about that I was like 
that does in fact describe me. Like, <laughs> I am very much a point A, point B, point C person, and that can come out in my writing like a okay. little too much. So I have to I have to work to hide like my train of thought or hide the progression um, of the progression yep. of things. And so, but then I thought about it more, and it's that is exactly how I yeah <laughs> how I am. Now you went through like several variations of Winter King, right? As you were like shopping it out, right? So yes. which uh, so talk about that. And okay. which, how did you decide which one to go with for us? Okay. Yeah. When I, when I first, when we first sent it out in its first derivation, I had aged up Cora. She was still 16. Um, but I had, I had written more of her relationship. The, the romance in it was stronger and, um, not in any way that like, I'm not proud of, but just that it was, it was more. It was aged up. Yeah, it was aged up, and it it was fine, and I thought it it worked well. Um, but then then what happened after after we we worked on that for a while, and then didn't hear back from a lot of editors or heard back uh, with a no. We decided to uh, make it more specifically middle grade because when you're playing the New York publishing game, you have to be very specific. Like if it's going to be middle grade, then the character has to be twelve. They can't be fourteen. They have to be twelve, and so. Then I aged Core down. I made her 12. I, I reworked the manuscript for a while that way, which meant, of course, that I took out the romance right. uh, completely, and um, I had to change some of the other relationships here and there. And I, I actually quite liked it that way. I think I liked it better that way than the older young adult. So we sent it out um, that way again um, for, for a shorter amount of time before I, I pulled it and took it back from her. But the thing with um so once i knew i was sending it to canon and i could do what i want <laughs> right which was just a huge relief i i i put her back up to 16 because i felt like um well for one thing i wanted to write a story again like i was saying to four 14 15 16 year old girls who um are going into the library right now and trying to figure out what to read because maybe they've they've finished middle grade but the stuff that's out there in YA land is a dark and perilous right. place and so I and usually post-apocalyptic <laughs> and usually yeah. yeah with a love triangle right right and and so I knew I wanted it to have um I also felt like the romance really serves the plot and um in terms of Cora she's she's coming of age she is um trying to figure out her place in this society and also what loyalty looks like to to a whole bunch of different people to her family to her friends uh to someone who you know you might end up marrying like that all of that I felt like I lost it when I went to middle grade um and it it the stakes just are much higher yep. when you're when you're dealing with um with those, those, those relationships older relationships yeah. so so I was really glad that I was able to put it back up um, up to the, the YA um, age group. But I didn't, I didn't bump it all the way up because um, I, I felt like some of the scenes that I added when we sent it out with, to New York were kind of superfluous, um, but just there to sort of give it that place marker of like, this is YA. So that we, it's now it's back? Now it's back. I feel like it sort of landed in the middle, which is where I wanted it to be anyways. Okay. And I'm so happy with where it is. I feel like 
it, it just feels like it sits very comfortably where, where it landed. Okay. So uh, now one of the things, uh, talking with Forrest, who's also in your class, mm-hmm. usually I have like, like an explicit, we don't talk about Forrest on the podcast, but one of the things I know <laughs> is he has to read 25 books outside of the genre of the book he's writing for uh, the MFA. Yes. What books are you reading that are outside of the genre? Ooh, okay, so I'm currently reading A Gentleman in Moscow. Oh, let me try that again. A Gentleman in Moscow. Yeah, because it's Russia. Because it's Russia, not Moscow, Idaho. By, I think it's Amor Towels. Yeah, I forget his name. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, uh, which is just fantastic. Okay. It's, it's a story of a, a count who is sentenced to live the rest of his life in a hotel in Bolshevik, uh, Russia. And uh, so I'm reading that one. I just finished um, The Remains of the Day by Ishiguro. Okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading Howl's Moving Castle. Okay. By, oh, I just blanked on her name. Man, it'll come to me. can't believe I blanked on her name because I've read, like, everything else she's written. She wrote the Questomancy series. Diana Wynne-Jones. Okay. By Diana Wynne-Jones. And, yeah, um, I, I have a bunch of random ones. I just went through, I have the largest, most never-ending TBR pile. And so I went through and I picked the ones, mostly I picked ones that are not middle grade or young adults because we're supposed to be writing outside of that, that or reading outside of that, uh, our particular genre. So I went with a lot of the ones that I have just never read, like Persuasion by oh, yeah. Jane Austen. I've never read it. so It is a sweet opportunity to, to, to knock those out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I have some weird ones. Not weird. I just, there's some high fantasy that I've wanted to read, like um, The Name of the Wind. I don't know. I have no yeah. idea whether yeah. it be good or not. But uh, I tried to pick ones that are super popular because they are popular for a reason. Sure. Um, yeah. So they were basically not YA because you are writing YA. Mm-hmm. What what about YA is something that you want to like work on and tinker with and spend all that time doing? What is it about the genre that you like? I think some of it is sentimental. So that was the period of time where I felt, and I think a lot of kids feel this way, like your writing or your reading just takes off and you're suddenly, you know, it's less that your mom is picking you up books from the library to read, but you are going and exploring, like figuring out what it is that you love and, and exploring different genres. So I just remember that particular time of, of feeling awe when I would read a book and just love it so yeah. much and think, I want to do that. I want to give that same awe and delight. And um, kids in particular, I think, love to binge read. My daughter does this already. She's nine, but she uh, stayed up way too late reading The Winter King, and I could not reprimand her for it because it was my book (laughs) so but it just is it's a really satisfying feeling to to write something that you know someone just is like it's like a page turner yeah gripping do you ever have so when you read something like um uh the gentleman in moscow or do you ever think like oh i wonder i would if you ever want to do a jag outside or do you ever have temptations? I my biggest temptation right now is to write a high fantasy novel okay. or a series. <laughs> yeah, okay. Which um uh, and I just be, mainly because we had Tolkien, right? Yeah. It was like 
the start of this incredible genre. And then I think, where have we gone? Yeah, not good. You know, we've got no, we're good, Game probably. of Thrones. Yeah. And uh, it's dominated by a lot of um, guys who... Are putting guy stuff in Are books. putting guy stuff in yeah. And it's like their descriptions of women are a little less than inspiring. And, sure. And, and so I feel like we could, as Christians, could totally reclaim that. And we should. And why haven't we? Um, but I don't think I'm, I'm not a good enough writer yet okay. to do that. And I don't want to give it a shot until I feel like I could do it justice. Okay. But yeah, sure. I mean, reading something like Gentleman in Moscow, it's so, um, it's just that book in particular is delightful to read. And I love finding a book where you feel like the author just loves to be there, right? Like they are. They are enjoying themselves, and they their love of the word is so strong that they've written this. I don't know. It's a pretty big book. I think it is big. It's a long one, and I'm yeah. reading the large print version because okay. that was all I could find on short notice. So it's like 700 okay. pages long. Wow, you're reading the big one. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So you know, you read that, and it's hard not to. It's the same way, right, with teachers. When you have a teacher who yeah. clearly loves their subject. You want to do that. You're like, yes, I am going to be a mathematician because my math teacher just showed me how much love he or she had for it. So whenever I read an adult novel, like a literary work that just um, is so satisfying, I think maybe I'll do this someday. I have time. Yeah, right. You have all the time in the world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think what I loved, it struck me just hearing the assignment, but I think so many people get bogged down by their own tastes and think it just gets so i don't know musty or you know i don't know it's so it's refreshing and i think it'll make everybody a better writer yeah i think you can tell when an author only reads in their lane and um because we do we just recycle the tropes we've read and the 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 phrases we've heard this is why you have things like everyone using the phrase she let out a breath she didn't know she was holding because that's like one person did that in YA literature, and suddenly everyone is letting really? out breaths they didn't know they were oh, holding. Oh, that's I swear so it funny! All the time. That's so funny. I know. Um, okay, that's hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, and and I think you do. I mean, that was the whole point of the NSA education, right? Is that you to train people to be copious and well-rounded, and right. not just focused on one particular genre or style, because it's it is going to come out pretty two-dimensional. Totally. Well, Christine, thanks for coming in. So go get Winter King, hardcover, beautiful cover. Yeah, Megan and Koviak. Megan, yeah. It was crazy great art. So beautiful. And that's something I am not, I cannot for the life of me draw or paint. (laughs) Have you tried? You like it? I have tried. This was something in high school I thought to myself that I should be an an artist. And so I really tried. I bought a whole bunch of drawing tutorials and I watch YouTube videos and I tried and I was just horrible. And so I set that aside. And so I'm always so impressed by people who can just visualize something like that and make it look so incredible. So you just get a friend. It's like exactly. the, it's like the boat thing. You find yourself a Meg. Yeah. yeah. But not her because she's mine. <laughs> right. She's, she is busy. <laughs> she's busy. With um, awesome. Well, yeah. thanks so much. Thank you.